on your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on episode 38 of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, all the latest from the AFLW draft with Katie Lambeski, plus our USAFL Nationals preview as we catch up with New York's Christina Licata, Sacramento's Loray Quoker, Minnesota's Lizzie Even, Seattle's Marion Dickinson, Calgary's Lindsay Smith, and Houston's Sarah Pulliam. That's all coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. <laughs> I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 38th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, our third season of doing these podcasts. And a friendly reminder, you can listen to this show as a radio program Wednesday evening from 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN Carnival, digital radio in Melbourne or via the RSN Racing and Sport app. Well, the AFL Women's Draft for 2017 is done and dusted. There was a whole heap of speculation of who would go pick number one. Would it be Isabel Huntington, who had been a star under 18s footballer, but had missed all of 2017 due to doing a knee injury in the NAB All-Stars game in late 2016? Will it be Chloe Malloy, who returned to football this year, dominated the TAC Cup girls competition, was named as the rising star in the VFLW and tied the VFLW goal-kicking with Katie Brennan. Well, that announcement was down to Paul Groves, the coach of the Western Bulldogs. With pick one, the Western Bulldogs select Isabel Huntington, Melbourne Uni, Sandringham Dragons. And here's Huntington's first words on being taken as the number one draft pick. Um, it's a massive honour, obviously. Uh, I was pretty surprised, not expecting anything. There's ama- amazing girls in this room and many deserve to go very highly, but um, yeah, massive honour. Malloy, of course, would end up being taken as pick three overall, the second Victorian pick, and she would go to a club where her uncle Jared played at the Collingwood Football Club. For all the details on what club picked what players, it's all online at girlsplayfooty.com. But to get the first impressions of how each club went in the draft, I've got on the line our girlsplayfooty.com co-founder in Katie Lambeski. Katie, how are you? Very well, thank you, Pete. Uh, thanks so much for having me. And thanks for joining us on the line at the AFLW Draft. Well, as we uh, just alluded to at the top of the program, it came down to Huntington or Malloy, who was going to be taken as pick one. The Western Bulldogs ended up going with a player which, to be honest, might be a bit of a clone to um, Katie Brennan because she plays in a very similar fashion, centre-half forward and can switch to midfield, being Isabel Huntington. Yeah, it was, uh, I'll admit to being a little bit taken by surprise, uh, thinking Malloy would go first as more of a forward option to help compliment Katie Brennan. But um, after a chat with Paul Groves, uh, it kind of um, makes sense. But uh, Isabel Huntington, yeah, look, her bona fides are there. We know what she's, you know, I guess we know what she's capable of already, but I think she can go up another level. She's still very much a raw kind of talent. She'll be a versatile player and help. I guess where they need to. I guess that versatility was a real uh, pull factor in the end that helped uh, sway uh, sway the Bulldogs and Paul Groves. Well, let's just quickly have a look at the Western Bulldogs before we get on to those uh, other picks. They've elected to try and shape what I call a Melbourne Uni midfield. We know they've already got Carney and Blackburn. Now by picking up Huntington, if she switches into the midfield at all, and with them also recruiting Conti, they've got a quality Melbourne Uni midfield. There's no doubt that all four footballers are quality players. I guess the only question mark that would hang over them is being how Melbourne Uni finished the VFLW year this year, which... Uh, they look fairly flat. Yeah, look, wasn't the best of seasons, but I'm not sure how really you can count that. Um, there's different circumstances, different level, different team around them. Um, I think that familiarity kind of helps. 
in the end, Monique Conti will for sure benefit playing with people like Carney and Blackburn. So, yeah, I think it, it can be pretty. It can be very positive in the way that they've selected. They're going to be. I think they've set up to be very uh, versatile and dynamic, and I think they fit the bill. And I guess that familiarity will kind of help, but time will ultimately tell. And just also having a look at some of the other Western Bulldogs picks, they went with Jenna Brutton, as Stephen Barras-Miller predicted online. I think a very good get for them. Uh, and she seems to, I guess, fill in that um, Jamie Lambert-type role, doesn't she, being that, that smaller half-forward, forward-pocket player? Yeah, she's, uh, I guess you can say she's a like-for-like replacement. I think she, she'll she help relieve some of the pressure in midfield as well. Look, we've seen what she can do over the last couple of seasons at VFLW level, and now she has the chance to prove it after taking uh, last uh, last season out. So, yeah, really, I think it's a really positive uh, experience, a positive, positive pickup uh, for them. They also picked up the only Tasmanian to be taken out of the draft, the uh, star youngster in Daria Bannister from Launceston. They also picked up Emma Mackey from Box Hill. It'll be interesting to see what their thinking is because their last pick, pick 34 they elected to pass on which means they now will use that for a free agent which kind of hints that they may be looking interstate yeah possibly uh, Paul Groves has revealed to me that they're in negotiation that they're in talks with somebody but yeah, he wasn't exactly keen to reveal who um, it's, uh, yeah, there's a bit of sense of mystery behind it, and I wonder which way it, uh, it ends up swaying. As Wednesday evening, we know that Kate Bartha was not drafted at all. We know that um, she said she's got family out over in the east, so keep an eye on that that situation to see what goes down there, or if, ah. or if they're looking, obviously, at uh, other states to see if they can find a, a diamond in the rough, so to speak. Uh, let's quickly have a look at some of the other teams. Fremantle Football Club had picked two overall. Very interesting, because, because they had exclusivity to the WA draft pool, they could pick anyone in any order that they liked, and they elected to make a statement by picking Stephanie Kane up, a player that they had actually delisted and then redrafted. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised, but um, after hearing Mich- uh, Michelle Cowan speak about her, um, they're backing her in to really deliver this season. Um, pick two seems a little bit high in my view, but I can, you know, she, I'm sure she'll be keen to prove some people wrong. I thought they'd look for more of a ruck type I thought yeah I think they'd go a different direction but uh, yeah interesting pick up in Steph Kane I wonder just how improved she is and I guess and again time will tell in the upcoming AFLW season Picking up uh, a number of Coastal Titan players in there, including Jody White, who was the league best in Ferris. That gives them that uh, ruck option that they're looking for. Uh, they also yep. picked up Alicia Jantz uh, with their round six pick, who some of us are familiar with, of course, who uh, played, I think, a season or two over at Melbourne Uni. Yeah, I think she was picked. Uh, she played for them last season, I believe, or am I wrong there? Uh, it was in last season, the season before. I think it might have been. I think it might have been yeah. over the last two, if I'm correct. Yeah, so she has that kind of experience. She has that kind of experience. She's gone over to WA as well to prove herself. Yeah, really. Um, I guess a really solid option that can that can that can be a positive for them. Um, so I think she was a second round pick, which which will or third round pick. Um, yeah, so that I guess it's kind of a low risk kind of option. I wonder if she'll be a steal. I wonder if she'll be someone that really can add a different dimension to their defensive stocks. Collingwood were throwing curveballs all over the place. Um, they started off pick three as predicted with Malloy available there. They they took her and uh, as we mentioned um, 
her uncle uh, Jared actually played I think 49 games for the Magpies and she was a Collingwood supporter growing up so she loves going to them I guess the only question that we have is considering the forward stocks that they've got there uh, and particularly the game plan is almost centred around Mo Hope is where does Chloe fit in? Yeah, judging by what she said uh, post uh, post draft in a press conference, she says uh, she's going to look to be more versatile and push up into midfield. And I'm sure she'll pinch hit forward as well. So I guess the challenge for her is stepping up into learning that midfield position. I think she tried a little bit of that with Diamond Creek. They kind of pushed her up the ground a little bit in different parts of the season. So I'm thinking that's what... I'm guessing you're going to probably see similar with Collingwood. I, I think she can definitely be a goal-scoring threat and uh, a threat all over the ground for them, whichever way they choose to use her. They swooped on Darcy Guttridge as well, which Matt Mars has been a big rap for. They picked her up with uh, pick nine. And then after that, they threw a few curveballs in there, names that, quite frankly, weren't even on our radar. Um, we went with pick 13 with Ilias Ross out of Wodonga, Sarah Dargan out of Pasco Vale, and Christy Stratton out of Box Hill, which, um, and, uh, and then, of course, the netballer in Ashley Brazil, who had been playing in Perth previously. A few that left us scratching our heads, considering the quality of Vic talent that didn't get picked. Up. Yeah, as you said, they were throwing curveballs. Uh, oh, you know, I had to do a double take with some of the names. Um, it was just, uh, yeah, I guess the emphasis is kind of on versatility and the unknown. Kind of, um, kind of, they're hard to scout. They're kind of hard to get a read on. So I'm guessing that will help them. You know, ASLW recruiters tend to cast the net pretty wide. You know, with athletes from other sports and whatnot. So. I'm guessing that was some of the broader, uh, the broader purpose of what they uh, did today. Continuing our look through the draft, uh, GWS Giants, um, they needed to pick up quality and they needed to pick up maturity. They did, and they pulled some surprises, but in a very good way. Uh, first of all, they picked up Jody Hicks, who, of course, um, was the um, uh, Sixers WBBL cricketer. Um, she's going to try and balance that with her footy. She's a good footballer out of uh, the ACT. She was their first pick at pick five. And then came the surprises. At pick 17, Tanya Hetherington from Diamond Creek. No one had known that she'd nominated for the New South Wales draft pool. Everyone was expecting a Victorian club to have her, but she applied for New South Wales. GWS has taken her, and then backing it up, um, a current South Australian resident, but she originally came from New South Wales, Courtney Gum is heading back home. They're two senior footballers and two very good senior footballers. Exactly, and I'm glad, I'm glad the Giants took the chance on them both. I think that experience, that kind of hardness is needed. And I think particularly with Tanya Hetherington, like we know what she's capable of. We've been seeing her in, BW, uh, in BFLW. Um, outstanding defender one-on-one and will be an on-field coach almost for them after coaching uh, Diamond Creek in her, in her year off with an injury back in uh, 2016. So, yeah, look, I'm, I reckon the Giants have done pretty well today picking up that experience they needed that and uh, they'll be relying I reckon they'll be relied upon pretty heavily and of course Courtney Gum who's dominated the Adelaide Footy League including the Adelaide Footy League Women's Grand Final where she rolled her ankle in the warm up had an injured ankle but still went on to kick seven goals resting in the forward line um, also they picked up uh, Phoebe Monaghan as, uh, as pick 39 originally a Victorian out of North Geelong had been doing well at the Stingrays uh, Philippa Smythe who had killed it at the um, Combine uh, from Nelson Bay and the Black Diamond Competition she was pick 43 and Cora Stoughton was pick 47 um, as 
as we continue on, uh, Katie, uh, Melbourne Football Club, um, they got the first pick right in my book, and then we were left scratching our heads after that. They picked up Eden Zanka from the Bendigo Pioneers, which um, provides a key tall forward, and we looked at that thinking, yeah, they do need one, and that, that was a big tick for them. And then after that, they went with Matty Gurren out of Fitzroy, or the Northern Knights, an up-and-coming under-18-year-old, and then they picked up Tegan Cunningham and Claudia Whitford. And when those names are being called out, I've got a feeling a few people in the draft room might have been looking around going, huh? Yeah, I'll... Um I'll admit to the definite surprise factor being in the room. And speaking to Mick, uh, to Michael Stinia afterwards and afterwards uh, post draft, you know he he mentioned versatility and their their versatility, their pace, and I guess I guess that's what they're trying. They what they really want to count on that you can't really rely on stay at home forwards in the sixteen side competition stuff like that. You need to be able to play a multitude of positions, and I think that's what they have gone for. Uh, Eden Sanker was a priority, and I think she really beefs up their forward line, adds more goals. Will we'll definitely form a formidable partnership with Alyssa Mitzit. So they've taken a bit of a punt, but I think it's a calculated one. And uh, like like I always say, time will time will tell, and uh, the AFLW season will be a great indicator of, of how just how they're awarded, I guess. Again, flying under the radar, but in my opinion, have done all the right selections has been the Brisbane Lions. And it just I guess it comes back to Craig Starsevich over the years being the high-performance manager for both women's and youth girls at AFL Queensland. And he's just seen for years the girls coming from 13, 14-year-olds coming up through the system knowing who's going to be a star and who isn't. He, he went with pick seven, the feel-good story. Jordan Zanchetta, after doing an ACL last year, she's back. She's a quality star footballer. She was their first pick overall. And then the youngsters, when you talk about the likes of uh, Ariana Clark out of Coolangatta, Renee Cowan, who's been a solid rock down in defence for Yoronga South Brisbane, Kalinda Howworth, Emma Pittman, uh, Ruby Blair, Sophie Conway, uh, Jesse Keefe, a number of players also unlucky to miss out, including Gabby Collingwood, who could be taken in the, in the rookie draft. But it just seems to be that they didn't need to look outside of Queensland for their talent. They were, they were home grown but it's the right homegrown talent that's coming through absolutely um i think the the, the work that craig starts has done over the last few years in his role at afl queensland will really start to bear fruit and after today i'm more convinced that, that they'll be staying up that they'll be a real force to be reckoned with again and in, in their quest to go one better in season 2018 yeah jordan sanchez is the feel-good story and Yes, yeah, she obviously would have been playing last year. They've had their eyes on her for a while, quite clearly. And she'll really provide a, an outlet in midfield. She'll be, I think she'll be an outstanding player for them. With Adelaide, they went with a sister connection. Uh, Jessica Allen will join her sister Sarah at the Adelaide Crows, their first pick out of the Salisbury Magpies. Uh, Jasmine Hewitt, who tested well at the Combine for St Mary, so another Northern Territory player to add to that list. Uh, Mariana Ratchik, who had been playing well for Norwood uh, in the Sandfell Women's Competition, and of course a, a W League footballer as well. Katie, she's been picked up. Aloise Jones, Ruth Wallace has been a star in the Adelaide, uh, for Adelaide Union. Renee Lug, and I guess the thing that probably raised everyone's eyes was Adelaide passing on pick 46, knowing that last time Adelaide went hunting for a free agent, they got Sarah Perkins, and everyone's looking at which Victorian have they got their eye on again this year. 
Yeah, well, it's, uh, we're going to find out very quickly. Um, yeah, what a, uh, I think they've done very well for themselves. Um, I'm keen to find out just what they do with free agent. But, um, yeah, um, Sarah, Sarah Allen, I think, really helps, you know, beef up their, 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 tall, their tall stocks, I guess. She'll help, she'll help our Metcalf in the ruck to kind of help ease that. And she'll be a real force, I think. Um, they really looked... They really looked at in-house kind of thing. They've really looked at their local league and have taken up talent from there. Again, really solid, balanced, meat and potatoes kind of approach to recruiting. And uh, I think in the end, it'll bear, it'll bear good results for them. The Carlton Football Club, uh, the last to uh, step up to the podium when they had their first pick at pick 12, we were a bit critical of them when they gave away their early draft picks to try and make sure they had uh, Nick Stevens all signed up uh, on their list and to also get Taylor Harris as well where they had to give up some quality players. And we said, well, they could have mm-hmm. really messed it up. They had to be good in this draft. They had to be spot on. And, geez, with the four draft picks, they didn't miss. They got Georgia G, a star under-18s footballer, out of pick 12. With pick 28, they managed to pick up from South Australia Sophie Lee, who was best on ground in the Sanford Women's Grand Final with uh, Norwood and had been playing great all year at Adelaide Uni. They picked up an up-and-comer out of Diamond Creek, and Rennie Hicks has been having a solid season in the midfield. And then they must have been dumbstruck. Pick 36, they're sitting at the table, and the name Bridie Kennedy, the joint TAC Cup girls' best and fairest, was sitting there right in front of them, still to be picked up, and they grabbed her as well. That was a surprise. I thought she'd go a little bit higher up. Um, yeah, really, really interesting approach. Really uh, good approach, I think, in the end. Sophie Lee was a real standout for me. That kind of, that experience that she'll add, that midfield depth that she'll add, hard at it kind of player. Yeah, she'll really complement their midfield. Um, I'm a little bit surprised they didn't go with the smaller kind, with the forward option in Sophie Abertan Jello, which I thought was a, a really good, would have been a good pickup for them. But yeah, all in all, I think they've done very well they've, they've complemented what they have and yeah I, i'm guessing though the keys to go just a little bit further next season to really push for a flag so let's talk about some of the names katie just before i go that are left over of course we have a free agency period that's up until the 20th so a 48 hour period where clubs can try and sign someone from any state who hasn't been drafted and then there's the rookie draft where they can pick up the best under 21s or players that are new to the game this year of australian rules football or have yet to have played um some of the names that are just um uh, going around my head at the moment include kate bartlett who's been a star in the past two under 18s national for WA leading goal kicker again this year, not taken. Yeah, that's a surprise, but I wouldn't be. I'm still expecting her to play some role in AFLW next year. Probably with the free, probably as a free agent. So, Western Bulldogs maybe. Um, yeah, but still very surprising that out of all, you know, out of 49 picks, out of 49 players, she wasn't one of them. So, yeah, eventually I think she'll get there, and I wonder if she'll make people, certain recruiters look foolish like Sarah Perkins did last year. And, and what's interesting out of that as well is apparently the news from the AFL website was she actually applied for the New South Wales draft pool and, and GWS passed on pick 49. So that 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 just scratches their head going, geez, you'd think they'd pick up her as a star forward unless they're hoping that she just slips through to the rookie draft and she replaces an injured player. It, uh, it, it, it came off as a little bizarre to me. Um, also, you've got um, Courtney Webb as well out of uh, 
Tasmania. She didn't get picked up. Gabby Collingwood we've spoken about. Um, she didn't get picked up as well out of Queensland. Out of Victoria, my goodness gracious me, the names line, lining up. Uh, Olivia Flanagan, who's been a star under 18 footballer, uh, been playing midfield out of Box Hill. She didn't get picked up. Tani Nesta from the Eastern Devils, who had played as a top-up player for Carlton. She didn't get picked up. Um, you also look at Jessica Trend, who's returned from an ACL, who everyone thought would be a mid-round draft pick. Quality footballer. She didn't get picked up. Ashley Riddle, Sophie Abitangelo, players that were in the VFLW Team of the Year, played grand final football. Both of them didn't get picked up. Chantella Pereira, Box Hill Hawks, everyone praised her defensive work. Didn't get picked up. And Atik, another uh, defensive footballer, didn't get picked up. It, it, it leaves everyone scratching our heads, considering we hear the cry so often of the unique quality defenders to see Pereira and T get left sitting on the bench, not picked up in favour of some of the kids where we're scratching our head going, well, we don't know that name. Sounds a bit bizarre. It does. It does. Um, but I think it speaks to the quality of, you know, Victorian women's football that you have these players sort of missing out. Um, with the extended draft, with the expanded competition next year, I'm sure these opportunities will extend to them. But, yeah, some of the some of the recruiting was very kind of out there today, very ris- risky, I guess you could say, a very, you know, out-of-the-box kind of approach. And you might, I guess we'll only know after the fact. Everyone is wiser after the fact about after how the season goes. But, yeah, I'm a bit surprised that with, particularly with the defensive players, it was very much a shock. Um, but, yeah, well, I guess we're going to see how things play out. Well, Katie, thank you very much for joining us at uh, the AFLW Draft. And we look forward to hearing from you again next week on the show when you bring us the interviews that you managed to get and a behind-the-scenes look at what went on on AFLW Draft Day. Thank you so much for having me, Pete. Appreciate it. So that was the AFL Women's Draft. Let's turn our attention now to North America with the US AFL Nationals that it's on this weekend, October 21st and 22nd in San Diego, California. There will be two women's divisions again this year, but expanded. Division 2 will now have five teams competing compared to three last year. Division 1 will have Eight standalone teams. That's a three-team improvement on last year. Those eight teams divided into two pools. And over the next hour, we're going to be chatting to a number of the women that will be participating in the USAFL Nationals in San Diego this year. We start with our first interview by catching up with a legend of the USAFL. She's coach of the New York Lady Magpies. Her name is Christina Licata. Christina, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Peter? Not too bad at all. Great to have a veteran of the USAFL online. And I want to say veteran because you go right back to 2004. So tell us how your journey first began. Sure. Um, So I always was sort of a tomboy growing up and loved American football um, and met Andrea Casillas, who is also a stalwart of the USAFL uh, back in Arizona. And we started playing in the first ever women's nationals competition uh, with the Arizona team and uh, moved to New York in 2008 and co-founded the team here. I played in, up until 2004, had a couple of uh, ACL reconstructions and unfortunately, you know, uh, sidelined me, but uh, picked up coaching and started 
uh, to be the head coach in 2014 for the New York Magpies team and uh, have done it ever since and, and just uh, completely in love with it and have, you know, built up the coaching staff here to have assistant coaches. And it, it's just been such a learning experience and uh, really awesome. And it was so great to step in where I was needed after I had to hang up my boots. Now, I did read on the USAFL website in a little profile about yourself. It was claimed that you were dragged along to the game because Drake Asias was your boss. How does it feel technically to be her boss now, being the coach and she being the defender? <laughs> um, I, I really look at it um, more as a partnership. Um, Drea is a fantastic player. She's very coachable. And, and so, you know, we went from being very close teammates um, and and really just best friends to me having you know the, the leadership role of being the head coach. I, I think she'll uh, put me in check and I'll put her in check, and so it's a it's a pretty good relationship. So let's have a look at the Nationals from 2016. We know in 2015 that you were very, very close to taking out the Division One title. It was depending on how results went. Unfortunately, you couldn't quite get there, but. In 2016, it went the other way. Unfortunately, you finished at the bottom of the table without a win, but it was a rebuilding year. A bunch of new rookies and veterans having time off. How has the squad changed since Sarasota? Yeah, so it was just incredible. Uh, last year, we had a very successful year in terms of recruitment. Uh, we had over 30 women who were on the roster throughout the year, and 13 to 14 of those were first-year players uh, for the Magpie. So it was just an incredible year for recruitment, and, and we did have some uh, losses in terms of veterans who, you know, moved away or had children or, you know, the typical, typical ways that... That, uh, the players hang up their boots. Um, I'm happy to say that the majority of the players who joined last year's first-year players uh, have come back and are just really growing and learning and working together as a team very well. And, and the skills that they've developed over this past year have just really catapulted them into a whole nother level since last year. And out of the new players that have joined you, who do you think's really picked up the game the most and uh, as, as I guess, found the skills more naturally compared to others and look like they will be a, a valuable key contributor to you at this year's Nationals? Yeah, I think that, that you saw some of these names in Australia. Um, I think Natalie Wolf in particular has really impressed me. Um, you know, she is going to be one of our captains at the tournament. She represented the freedom in Australia. Uh, she just has a really keen uh, leadership style and is just pretty natural on the field. Uh, you know, she has these jukes and it just like, it, it makes it look easy, you know, and she's just very composed around the football um, and just really, really impressed with how she has developed and, you know, is pretty versatile in terms of positioning. She can play in the rock, she can play in the mid, she can play in defense, uh, and is just really, really impressive and continues to grow. Um, I think in addition, we have some really good talent in the midfield um, with Danielle Gallagher. We call her Gals. Um, she, you know, just has a really good eye for the ball and is super coachable. Um, also, Claire 
who is um, who was on the Liberty team and was the vice captain there. She is in our forward line and uh, got the chance to work really closely with Lauren Sinechny, um who is a, I believe, fourth-year player for the Magpies, but they were on the Liberty together and, you know, had some really good connections um, in the Liberty squad, and I think that that will only strengthen them in terms of what they're able to do in the forward line for the Magpies. Just uh, earlier this year, you had the Eastern Metro Circuit where you were taking on teams uh, around uh, uh, Columbus, Baltimore, Washington, uh, Boston, Philadelphia, and, of course, in New York. Out of that series, and, of course, you held clinics each day, were you able to pick up any new players from that tournament? So we actually um, were more focused on building the East Coast teams. Um, than, than building ourselves. We were able to uh, pick up some really good rookies this year um, apart from um, that, and it gave us the opportunity to really help develop um, not only their skills, but the skills of players all across the East Coast. Um, so one notable that I would mention is Aish. She's actually Australian, but never played when she was there and uh, did a really fantastic job at the Montreal tournament and won rookie of the tournament and um, is just very keen and coachable and uh, I think, you know, the only problem she sort of runs into is dislocating her fingers, but we're hoping that uh, she keeps it together for Nationals. Indeed. Um, let's look ahead to the Nationals. You're in Pool B this year. Let's talk about some of the teams in there. First of all, a team I guess you'll be hoping to get a little bit of revenge on is Sacramento. Unfortunately, you became their first ever victims at the Nationals when they uh, defeated you last year. How do you see yourselves going up against the Lady Suns? Yeah, so I think that Lady Suns have a lot of great talent on their football team. I was able to get to know a lot of them um, as the defensive coach for the Liberty this uh, year, and I think they stack up really well. Um, I'm very confident that we can match them one-on-one and um, come out and, and really, you know, bring a team that is more experienced than we were last year. And I I think it just, you know, in any game, it just takes those 16 people on the field working together as a team to really um, move the ball and, and, you know, impact the, the plays around the ground. And I think if we do that, we can be successful against Sacramento and Denver and Calgary. Yeah, and just picking up on those sides as well, do you, do you feel this year might be the chance against Denver? Apparently they've got um, a couple of players uh, missing. Uh, one of them, uh, they're waiting, I guess, on a last-minute judgment call on their captain, Hallie, uh, Hallie Kastanak, who, um, who injured, obviously, her shoulder, a collarbone area, at the um, IC17. So she may be a non-starter. I believe a few others may have just moved away from the area, um, expecting kids, etc. That depleted Bulldog sides, do you think it gives you a shot this year? Yeah, I mean, I think that we were very close in 2015 to knocking them off, and and unfortunately it was the first game of the weekend for us, and I think sometimes it just took us a little bit more time to get settled into playing to really show up in that first uh, 20 minutes of football, and so that's something I've been really focusing on with the girls over the past two years is you, you have to start from the beginning, and no doubt on the Denver side that Hallie is a huge loss for them, but they have a squad of very talented uh, footballers, and and I think they'll be just as tough this year as they have been in the past, but uh, again, I think, you know, 
a lot of height on their side, and I think we match them with passion and courage at the football and just really putting our head down over it and picking it up off the ground and making some big plays with it. And also you've got the Calgary Kookaburras uh, in your uh, pool. Uh, they missed 2016. They were Division Two champions in 2015. Uh, you've had a chance to have a look at some of their players uh, during the IC17, uh, Hillary Perry being one that stands out, Nicole Robertson being another. Uh, do you feel you've got the uh, manpower, so to speak, to try and beat the Calgary Kookaburras? Brian Barrish reckons they're a threat and they could make it through to the grand final. Yeah, I think that they are a fantastic group of players as well and will be really, um, really difficult. Uh, it'll be a difficult match. I, I think all of them will be, but um, I, I am particularly excited to get some new blood into the pool and, uh, and, and see a different side that we, than we've seen in the past. Um, I think, like anything, you know, with, with strong midfielders, good rotations, um, and just really working cohesively together as a team, uh, we'll be able to take on the challenge of, you know, coming up against Calgary and Denver and Sacramento. Over in Pool A, of course, is the reigning champion San Francisco. Montreal's in there as well as Minnesota and the new Seattle Grizzlies team. Um, if, if you had your pick of the bunch, if you made it through to the grand final, who would you like to see as your opponent from Pool A and why? Oh, that's such a hard question. Um, so part of me says uh, San Francisco just because New York and San Francisco uh, just have such a special bond and and uh, we just really love to play against one another and it's always fun and fair um, and I and I think they are serious contenders um, and then the other part of me says Montreal you know we we uh, went and played them at the Montreal tournament as we do every year and uh, came up just a few points short from beating them and so it would be nice to get victory against them. Well, Christina, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we wish you all the very best in San Diego at the 2017 USAFL Nationals. Thank you so much, and thanks for your time. So that's the New York Lady Magpies. Let's talk to one of their opponents in Division 1 Pool B, over to the West Coast, and catching up with Lorraine Quoker from the Sacramento Lady Suns. Lorraine, of course, represented the United States Liberty team as part of their tour of Australia back in August, and it's great to have her again on the line. Lorraine, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad at all. Great to speak to you again since the last time we spoke when you were in uh, Melbourne playing at Manor Lakes as part of the USA Liberty Tour. Just quickly for you personally, how did you find the tour this year? I thought it was very good um, compared to the last time when we were in the IC. I felt like we had a lot of new girls who just didn't really know exactly what they were doing, but this time around we had seasoned players and We were just making really good connections, and it was really nice to be on a team where everyone did their part and just helped each other out, had that support, and it made it so much more fun to play footy. And uh, this time around, you left the tour as a winning tour, three and two. Yes, which that was amazing. Um, You know, playing on the Liberty for so long and never really winning a game. It was always just like, well, you know, we'll just do our best. And now it was like, oh, my God, we can win games. Like, let's do this. Like, we can do this. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic to hear. Now, uh, obviously, you and a couple of Suns players played in that tour. How have you felt uh, the body's feeling uh, over the last couple of months, obviously now having to get up and prepare for the Nationals? Uh, What's the training regime been like between uh, since you got back and now? 
Um, so training has been more focused on like strategy and gameplay, but obviously, like we still want to keep up our um, you know cardio thing. So we're just really trying to get on the girls to stick with um, doing their workouts outside of practice, and then kind of using practice to strategize more and to you know more game simulation stuff. Now, over the year 2017, um, we know that, of course, from the last Nationals that yeah, you won your first ever game at Nationals when you beat New York. What's it been trying to retain those players from last year's Nationals? Because I believe there's been a little bit of turnover and you've got some new players in. Yeah, it's always a hard balance, um, especially in the States on, like, this sport where we don't have a, that community over, like, in Melbourne that they have. Um, so it's hard to balance, you know, your personal life with the sport. And so we do lose some girls, you know, because they just have different priorities, you know. Um, so we're just trying to find new girls who want to commit to this. Um, we've got a lot of rugby players now who are interested to keep them in shape for the off-season of rugby. And they're starting to really love it. So we're just trying to recruit because I know, like, we always lose people because just life gets in the way. And how did you find uh, the team's form over the uh, past couple of months? Because, uh, obviously, I think you played in a tri-series in San Francisco and Denver uh, back around our winter, your summer. Plus, of course, you teamed up with Seattle to uh, go to Denver, Colorado as part of the Western Regionals. Yeah, um, I know in the beginning we were just a little sloppy and just not making those connections and just not having that support struggling to get the ball out of the pack. And even when um, we were over in Australia, we had about five of our girls gone. The other girls, in fact, really just stepped up. And so when we got back, it was like they were at our level and we were just ready to go. And then playing with Seattle also also really helped um, because I know that they have some seasoned players. They have a couple Australians. And then uh, they had new girls and we had new girls. So it was just a really good mix of people that could help lead and, uh, you know, put up a really good fight. I mean, we won a couple of games, so that was even better. So that was awesome. And before you hit San Diego for the Nationals, you actually had one last hit out recently against San Francisco. Although the reigning champions uh, got the chocolates and the victory, I believe there's been a lot of improvement in the Lady Suns team. Yes. um, So we had our game yesterday, and... Uh, we got those new girls that we picked up in September, got them into a game before Nationals, and they were phenomenal. Um, we have a new girl, Tanya, who played rugby at UC Davis, and we put her against uh, Carly Smolak, and she was doing phenomenal, uh, putting up a good contest, and just our other girls just making those good connections from the back line to the midfield to the forward. I, we scored the first two goals in the first quarter, and, I mean, we lost, but I'm really just proud of us for just putting up a good fight because we just got tired in the middle but really picked it up at the end again and just didn't give up. And I feel like that will help translate into nationals and hopefully we'll get a couple of wins. Let's look at your pool. It's pool B. Um, first of all, you've got the New York Magpies in your pool. And safe to say you'll be looking to keep the wood on them and uh, have another victory over them back-to-back. Yes, definitely hoping for that. Um, I mean, I know last year we definitely beat them, but that was also like our very last game, so we are exhausted. But, um, I mean, I don't know what they've been doing over there. 
So hopefully we'll still keep our stuff together and not be too hot-headed and think that, you know, we'll just oh, this will be an easy win, that we still need to keep our game faces on and work hard for that win. Also in your group, uh, you've got the Denver Lady Bulldogs. The word is that they're not feeling a stronger side as they have in years gone by. Is this your opportunity to try and cause an upset knock off Denver for the first time? I think it is. Um, when we played them at Western Regionals, I mean, given we were paired up with Seattle, but I felt like we really could have could have beat them. And so we know a lot of the players. We know how they play. Um, so we can just use that to our advantage, kind of knowing their style and strategy. And I'm really hoping that we can just keep it together and just hit hard and we could probably beat them. Also in your group, the Calgary Kookaburras, they seem to be the great unknown because they were missing from the last Nationals. And uh, word has it they'll be bringing quite a number of Northern Lights players in their team. Possibly your toughest challenge in the pool? Yeah, um, I really don't know anything about them, but I do know that they have those um, Northern Lights players, and you know they those Canadian. I played Canada quite a few times, and you know they know their stuff. They know what to do, so we'll just have to do our best and just not give up and just try to try to come away with a win. But I guess we'll see what happens. I really I have no clue what's going to happen with that game. So, supposing that everything goes well, you finish top of your pool and you get through to the grand final. On the other side in Pool A, there's San Francisco, Montreal, Minnesota and Seattle. If you had your pick, who would you like to play in the big dance in the grand final and why? I would like to play Seattle. Um, They are a brand new team. The fact that they had three girls at Nationals last year and they are bringing a whole team this year is amazing. Uh, I know that they've been practicing really hard. Uh, those girls, gosh, they give it their all, and they've come a long way from this one season. And I think it would be great to kind of have, like, two of the underdogs playing for the final, and it would just be really fun. I think it would just be, like, such a fun grand final to play. And one last one before we let you go. You mentioned Tracy's name earlier. Out of the rookies, the new players that you have picked up over this year, who are some that have really impressed you? Um, from the Sacramento Suns, I really like Satanya. She's just came out the past, I don't know, months, and she's really just picked it up and just gone a long way. We also have um, Amicia, and she is phenomenal in the midfield. She just keeps running and running. Unfortunately, she hurt her knee yesterday, but I think she'll be okay. I think it was just a sprain. So I think she'll be good to play at national still. And uh, Lindy, we had her come out. She hurt her knee a couple uh, months ago or so, um, but she's going to be good to go and cleared to play at nationals. And just their heart and dedication is what really just makes me so proud of them. And I just, know that they're going to go really far in footy because they just fell in love with it immediately and they are willing to give it their all. Well, all right. Thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and we wish you all the very best as you head down to the San Diego, California, USAFL Nationals of 2017. Awesome. Thank you so much. 
In Division 1, there's a debutante this year, the Seattle Grizzlies, and their growth has been incredible. They supplied a handful of players to a combined Portland team, which won the Division 2 title last year. This year, their numbers have skyrocketed, and they'll be sending 19 women down to San Diego, California, for the first time to be a standalone club. This is only their second year in existence of having a ladies' team at the Seattle Grizzlies. The growth has been fantastic, mainly driven by Valerie Barber Exthelm. Her captain of the Grizzlies is a woman named Marianne Dickinson. She was an Australian for the first 10 years of her life, went to Canada, played field hockey there, and now just finds herself playing Aussie rules football and loving it. Marianne, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. How are you? Hi, Peter. Good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you on the show. There's been a lot of raps about you, about you playing for the Grizzlies. But first of all, we need to take a step back. How did you actually find Aussie Rules Football and the Seattle Grizzlies? That's, a, that's an excellent question. I um, I moved out from Canada to Seattle uh, about two years ago. And uh, I'm a field hockey player in a former life. So um, when I moved to Seattle, I was looking for a club, but they just don't seem to exist. So I was doing something else. I was actually doing some kickboxing. And uh, in the kickboxing club that I was at, the, this guy showed up and he was wearing um, Aussie Rules football shorts. So naturally, I said, that's a bit weird. What are you doing with those on? And uh, he told me about the Grizzlies and said, come out for a kick. So, yeah, I did. And there's, I think, maybe four or so girls at the time. Um, but, yeah, two years ago. And now we have a full squad. So what did you first think when you were confronted with your first training session? You're given this weird oval-shaped ball and someone says, right, I need you to bounce that ball, I need you to punch it out of your hands and I need you to kick it 50 yards. Well, to be honest, I had a bit of a head start. I uh, grew up in Australia until I was 10. So it wasn't it wasn't a fully, you know, blank sheet for me. I did play a bit of schoolyard footy back in the day. Oh, that is absolutely fantastic. That uh, Good to speak to a born and bred Aussie as always, but... It's great to see that you've been able to pick up uh, the game now at this stage to play with the Grizzlies. I I read that you trained all year last year because you only had four players. So I guess the point is, how did you make that jump from four players to, I think you've got 19 coming down to San Diego. How did you find 15 in the space of 12 months outside of Australia? You know, I really have to credit my teammates on this. Um, Val, who I think you've heard from before, um, Keegan and April have done just an absolutely fantastic job in recruiting players. And Kyle, our coach, he's a trainer at one of the gyms, and he approaches uh, women who look like they might be all right out on the field and says, come on out, have a kick. And the great thing about the Grizzlies is it's a really social club, and it's really welcoming to guys and girls. Um, so once we get them out on the field, it's not too hard to get them to come back. Of course, making your debut this year for the Grizzlies, uh, you had the Stumptown throwdown against uh, Portland, and I believe some LA players came up as well to um, help boost some numbers. How did it feel to get through that first tournament? And as well, um, you topped the goal kicking with Valerie. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty fun. <laughs> Always good to get a few through. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was really awesome. It was the first time that the Grizzlies have really fielded a... Well, we had a few couple few players helped out from LA but really we feel a full side and um, we had the support of you know a few of our guys coaching on the sideline um, and to come out on you know on top of the tournament was was pretty spectacular start and kind of set the tone for our season um, we really wanted to grow this season with the new players and just keep moving forward and so every game that we've played and, and, and each tournament from stump down down to regionals 
we've seen massive improvements as the girls get more experience. So it, it just kind of kicked things off and set us in the right direction. How much of an advantage do you think it is for your side heading to nationals that you're playing football a little bit more regularly than the other teams? For example, uh, the Grizzlies play in BC footy. You go across the border into Canada and play regularly against the Vancouver sides. Yeah, I think that's a massive advantage for us. Um, I, I know like some of the California teams have have teams fairly local between San Diego and San Francisco, um, et cetera, that they can play against. Um, but if we weren't you know, as close to Vancouver as we are, it'd be it'd be pretty tough to get games in. So it's really nice that Vancouver has, you know, four or six men's teams and we can tag onto that and they're growing their league on the women's side as well. So we've had a lot more experience than we would have otherwise had and at a lot cheaper kind of travel costs. So it's fantastic. Now, a couple of months ago, you went across to Denver, Colorado to play in the Western Regionals. Um, you teamed up, actually, with Sacramento to form a combination, uh, taking on the likes of Denver, San Francisco, and the All-Stars team. Uh, how did you view, through your eyes, the performance of your team making its debut at the Western Regionals? Um, given that we joined with another team um, and you know, put a squad together that had never played before, I think we did really, really well. Um, Denver is always a tough spot to play in, um, not least because of the altitude adjustment that you have to make. So then to add on combining with a new team at the same time, I think we did really well. The first first game we came out and um, we were kind of set back on our heels a little bit. Uh, did, I guess we didn't really know what we were getting into um, the first game. We kind of gelled together. But throughout the tournament, we just improved and we got better as a unit and learned how each other played. Um, now, going into the next step, we're going with full Grizzlies team, so you know that we've been training together for the last few months, and we feel pretty good about where we are. But that regionals tournament um, gave our girls a lot of experience really quickly and allowed us to see where the competition is. Um, I think it's the Denver team that really uh, showed us what what level we need to get to and they've got some really athletic girls and some talent on that squad so we hope to give them a good run down the Nationals. And how does it feel for the club in general to have a women's side in just its second season already make the step up to Division 1 as a full team? I think the club is, is really pleased and really excited. Um, as I mentioned, it's a, it's a really social club and the guys' side has grown um, exponentially in the last year as well. Uh, I think they're actually putting in two squads to nationals in two different divisions. So, you know, Seattle's coming down with, with quite a crew, and we're we're in it for a good time, but we're in it to compete. And so it's pretty exciting. Big step forward for the club. Let's have a look ahead to Division One Pool A, in which you'll be in. Uh, first of all, you're taking on the San Francisco Iron Maidens, who are the reigning champions. How does it feel to be on their side of the pool? Um, I don't think we were really intimidated by anyone. Maybe uh, maybe that's a naivety, but um, we're going to go out and give it our best shot no matter who's on the other side of the field. Um, so I think it, you know, set the tone with the first game, make it a hard one. It's all the better for us. We're, we're in it to compete and see what we can do. I guess the advantage is you have experience against San Francisco for playing in that Western Regionals tournament. Um, how hard is it going in knowing that you haven't played yet the Minnesota Freeze and you haven't played the Montreal Angels? I guess you're going in a little blind against them too. Um, is there a bit of nerves with that, not knowing them as well as, as San Francisco? Yeah, I think it's 
You know, I don't think there really is um, because they're so new and most of the girls haven't played really any games, to be honest. Um, so it, it doesn't really matter who's who's on the other side of the field. Uh, we're going to pl- try and play Seattle Grizzlies football no matter who we're playing against. So we look at Pool B, there's Denver, there's New York, Sacramento and um, Calgary over in that pool. If Seattle Grizzlies had a great tournament, got through to the grand final, who would you like to take on from Pool B in the grand final and why? And why? Oh, goodness. Um, Did you say that Denver's in that squad? Yes, they are. And I'd have to pick Denver just because they uh, they gave us a good knock around at Western Regionals and it it would be nice to show our improvement through the season and come back and top them. Now, let's have a look at the stars in the Grizzlies side. We know, of course, of Valerie Barber Ekstalm, who had a sensational tournament uh, playing in defence for the USA Liberty on their winning tour of Australia. Uh, for the names that we don't know so far, who do you think's performed well through your tournaments and games against Vancouver that we should be keeping an eye out for at the Nationals? I think uh, one woman who's going to make a big splash at Nationals is going to be April Lewis. She's uh, she's pretty hard to miss. She plays our ruck, um, tall blonde hair, and she's she's not afraid of anything. She's going to go in and lay some hard tackles and really compete. Um, also on our defensive line, Amelia Carr is a really strong player who's come on through the season. She's got experience in um, American football, but translating over to Aussie rules, which is great. Um, and then up front, we've got some pretty sneaky forwards. Um, take a look out for Morgan Clifford, make a mark up there, um, slowing funds through. I reckon, I reckon we're gonna do, we're gonna do some good things here at National. And how's the makeup of your side as well? As you said, you're originally um, uh, Australian for the first 10 years of your life and then obviously uh, lived in Canada. Um, are we looking at a uh, 100% um, North American team or do we have a few Aussies in there as well? Uh, there's a few Aussies sprinkled across, um, but I don't think anyone who's really played footy in Australia. So, so basically, we're I'd say we're 90% North American um, with a couple of Aussies. Well, thank you very much again for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. And, uh, Marianne, we wish you all the very best in San Diego when the Grizzlies make their debut in Division One of the USAFL Nationals. Thank you very much, Peter. It's a pleasure. Let's now catch up with one of Seattle's opponents in Pool A of Division 1, that being the Minnesota Freeze. And we've got on the line a woman who also took part in the USA Liberty Tour of Australia, where they had three wins and two losses, the first ever winning tour of the Liberty. It's great to have on the line the Minnesota Freezes, Lizzie Even. Lizzie, how are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Peter. Great to have you on the line to speak to you again. Last time we saw you, I think it was at Manor Lakes in uh, in Melbourne. Uh, just quickly on that, how did you find this year's Liberty Tour? Yeah, it was an amazing experience. Um, I think that it stood out to us this year how well the ladies drive. So in the past, I think uh, maybe we didn't come together as well as we had this year. And so that made all of the difference for us. And able to come away from the tournament with a winning record 3-2. and two. Yeah, it was amazing. Honestly, expectation going into it was these are women who get to play this on a regular basis. They've 
you know, seen and touched a footy since they were little kids. And so having the opportunity to play against them was amazing, but we didn't ex- expect anything. Um, so walking away with three wins out of five, that was mind-blowing. So now you find yourself back at home in uh, Minnesota, uh, playing, of course, for the freeze. What's it been like over the last two, two months since you've got back home uh, trying to prepare the squad for the San Diego Nationals? Yeah, it's been really great. It was kind of like homecoming. There were a lot of Minnesota representatives on the U.S. Liberty and the U.S. Freedom. And so getting back to um, some of the girls that were still at home and putting in the hard work, it was amazing to see uh, the changes that they had made over the month that we were gone. And then um, just kind of learning to drive together as a team again was an amazing process. So we also have a couple of uh, first-timers who came out a little over a month ago. Um, and so really excited to kind of see their talent grow as well within the team. Of course, Minnesota, you're in a bit of an unusual spot in America, right in the middle of the heartland. So you don't get to play the East Coast teams regularly and you don't get to play the West Coast teams regularly. So how many games have you been able to squeeze in as a unit over the past 12 months? Yeah, so we went down and did a game in Des Moines where it was kind of like a, a pickup. There were a couple of different teams that represented on one side and then Freeze Girls on the other side. Um, and then there was a game down in Chicago. Unfortunately, I didn't get to make that one, but they played against um, Ohio and walked away, unfortunately, with a loss. But, yeah, we don't get as many games in uh, being right in the middle as the, the coastal states do. But it's still it just kind of gives us a little bit more drive to come out with something extra special at Nationals. Let's have a look at your pool at the Nationals. You're in pool A and your thoughts on your opposition. Uh, first of all, uh, you have got the reigning champion San Francisco in your pool. Yeah, absolutely. And they're an amazing side. A lot of really talented women playing for them. Um, I anticipate that it's going to be a hard-fought game. Uh, rather win or lose doesn't matter. Um, we'll definitely put our best out there for that. Also in your pool, you've got the Montreal Angels, which uh, predominantly played in Division 2 last year because they didn't bring a full squad. This year, they're bringing their full team. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to play a Canadian team in the U.S. National Tournament. Um, I personally, in Div 1, have never had that experience. So it'll be really cool to kind of see what they bring and how they play the game a little bit differently. And the other great unknown, of course, uh, Division 1 debutantes, the Seattle Grizzlies, who uh, have virtually gone from a handful of players to having a full squad of 19. Yeah, and how can you not be excited about that? Seeing another club grow is exactly what this is about, especially in the women's comp. Uh, We're always looking to get the word out there for other women's teams and sort of watch them grow over the last year. It's going to be exciting to get to play with them. In Pool B, there's uh, Denver, Sacramento, New York, and Calgary. Like we've asked all the other girls, if Minnesota made it through to the grand final, who would be your ideal opponent from the other pool and why? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I have to say that San, uh, Sacramento has not made as big of a mark as I think that they could. And so I think that it would be fun to see them sweep that pool uh, and get to play against them. They've got some hard hitters who did a lot of growing this year, especially over in Australia. And so to watch those girls develop um, and then bring that back to their team, it would be amazing to see that club be even more successful than they've been in the past. Uh, last year at Nationals, you finished third, and over a number of years, you've always finished like in the middle of the pack, the freeze. You just haven't been able to find that um, secret ingredient yet to go the extra step to uh, be in the top two or to take out the title. Um, to get to the grand final this year, what do you think you need to improve on from the 2016 tournament to get to the big dance? 
Yeah, so I think that one of the biggest things that we can do to be successful this year and kind of breach our way out of that top three into the top one or two um, would be to just continue to flow, talk, and trust. Uh, these are things that anytime you can communicate quickly with your team and then just trust that they're going to be in the position they need to be in, um, each individual on the team, uh, it kind of helps you to just seamlessly put things together. So as long as we can keep that talk up and we can trust, um, I think we'll be really successful. Uh, just quickly before we go, uh, you mentioned that obviously you picked up a, a number of new players this year. Out of, out of the new recruits, who's impressed you so far at training and in the limited game time that you've had? Uh, yeah, so we have um, four new recruits who are all extremely impressive. Uh, one kind of stands out to me. We call her Salmon. Um, Salmon is a spitfire. She's goofy, but she is already reading the play so well. Um, it's just watching her improve practice by practice. I'm excited to see her out in an actual game. And uh, we hope that she goes very well for you at the Nationals this year. And, of course, there is, there is a consolation prize, isn't there? For those that um, in Division 1 that don't get through to the grand final, there's the game against the Aussie Sparks for all comers before the final. So I guess there's the opportunity to take on the Aussies one more time. Yeah, and who doesn't want that opportunity? Any chance that you get to play a game is a great opportunity. Um, like you said earlier, you know, Minnesota, we don't get as many games against other teams. So we'll take any, any opportunity to get a game against another team that we can. That's growth for the team, that's growth for individuals, and that's growth for the sport. Well, Lizzie, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy and all the very best with the Minnesota Freeze as you head down to San Diego for the 2017 USAFL Nationals. Yeah, thanks for having me, Peter. There will be an invasion of the Canadians at the tournament. The Montreal Angels are sending a team down. They'll be in Division 1 Pool A. Well, in Division 1 Pool B, it's the Calgary Kookaburras who took out the title in Division 2 just a couple of years ago. And it's great to have on the line from the Kookaburras a member of the Canada Northern Lights team as well that made it to the grand final in IC17, Lindsay Smith. Lindsay, how are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. And I think we can report that the IC17 trophy is in one piece. After uh, after you showed us <laughs> yeah. photos where you did a handstand and you nearly broke the 2014 trophy. I, yeah, so the handle fell off. I did I did break it. The handle broke, but the main trophy part is still intact. <laughs> uh, but it is missing a handle. <laughs> that's very handy. And uh, let's just make sure that uh, you don't do any handstands near the uh, USAFL Nationals Division One trophy because that's the one thing that you're aiming for in San Diego. So first, can you tell us how's the Calgary Kookaburra side coming together for this uh, tournament in San Diego? Um, I think really well. So in the last time we went, we didn't make it down for Nationals um, last year, but the year before that, uh, we managed to win the Division Two um, title, so we're really going for the, the Division One um, Cup this year. It's looking really good. We've got—I think—we have quite a strong team. Quite a few. Um, we have eight girls that were there for um, IC17 in Australia, um, and then um, a pile of others that are just really, really talented. So I think it's—I think it'll go well. So let's uh, take a step back. Of course, you got back uh, just um, a couple of months ago in mid-August to return Mm -hmm. home after IC17. Between then and, of course, mid-October for the USAFL Nationals, uh, how often have the Calgary girls been able to get together to try and train and prepare yourselves as a squad? Um, We train twice a week. So we train uh, Mondays with our men's team and then Thursdays just us women. Um, it's been a kind of a mix of who's been at training and who hasn't because there were quite a few girls that spent some time traveling afterwards. 
um, and didn't get home until kind of recently. And uh, we've had a, quite a few games as well. We just actually had a snowstorm last weekend, so that didn't really help us out for training. But, um, yeah, usually about twice a week and then a game sort of every second week. Um, we've had, we went up to Edmonton for one weekend um, and had a game against uh, the Edmonton Emus. That was, it was really good. They're low on numbers this year, but it was definitely worthwhile going up there and getting some more experience for our newer players. Now, of course, in your side, you mentioned uh, eight Northern Lights players. Some of the stars, of course, being the likes of uh, uh, yourselves, Nicole Robinson, uh, Hilary Perry in there. Out of the mm. girls that have come back from IC17, who do you think's really grown as a footballer and benefited from that experience? Ooh, good question. Um, I, just, I wanted to give a shout-out to actually our captain, um, Rochelle Chabot. She, unfortunately, wasn't... She was on our lights team, but was due to injury, wasn't actually able to play. So she was there the whole time um, helping out, and she was awesome, but she wasn't able to play. So I think she's really ready to get back at it. So she hasn't... I don't think she's missed a single training since she was able to come back out again. So um, she would be one to watch because I think she's really, really ready to get out there. Um... I think Nicole Robertson is another one to really watch. I think she learned a lot um, in Australia, and, and um, she'll come out and be ready ready to play. Um, another one, actually one of our sort of mid-forwards, Caroline Ireland, um, I think she also uh, learned a lot and got some great experience. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see her sort of play against um, high levels of uh, players down there as well. Now, out of the tournament, you'll have a minimum of three games, four if you do make it through to the grand final. So how many are you bringing with you as a squad? Because obviously depth will be very important across all these games in just two days. Um, I think right now it looks like we're bringing down 21, which is, I think it's a pretty good number. Um, We just recently had two girls come out um, and start playing just a couple of weeks ago. They're uh, they're on an international term I guess for school um, and both of them have picked up the game really really quickly we've been super lucky one of our players Catherine Rumford um, gave birth to a little a little baby boy uh, part way through our season and I think he's he's not even that old maybe two might be three months old now and she's right back into it again um, so we're bringing down 21 and I think it's it's quite a good squad we've got lots of players with lots of talent um, who are ready to go so I'm interested to get your thoughts on the uh, teams that you'll be up against in your division. You're being in Pool A, and I guess how much of a chance you've had to uh, look at them. Uh, mm-hmm. You've been placed in the same group as the six-time national champions as the Denver Lady Bulldogs. How does that feel when you see your name in their pool? Um, we seem to always end up in Denver's pool. I actually can't even remember a tournament where we haven't been in the same pool as Denver. So for us, that's just kind of normal. Um, I think there they'll be a challenge because they they usually are. Um, but we played them a lot. I'm sure they have some new players just like we do. But um, we have a really defensive side, uh, so I think I think it will be some good matchups, and I think it'll be a really good game. Also in your pool as well, um, the Sacramento Suns and the New York Lady Magpies, both of them did struggle in the uh, 2016 tournament, uh, Sacramento getting the only win, ironically, over the Lady Magpies. Um, do you still see them as a threat, um, or, or are you confident that you can pick up the wins against these two sides to virtually set up a showdown with the Bulldogs? Um, I, I think it depends on the year. I think they don't think you can assume anything of a team. 
the way our game kind of goes is you have your your group of um, older players that are really dedicated and have been there for years. But depending on the year, you some teams get players in who are just extremely talented and they may not know anything about footy, but they're incredible athletes and it just changes your entire team. So even if they didn't do well last year, um, I, you, you can't count them out. I think you have to just be ready to play every game um, and expect a really, really good competition because you just don't know. We have no idea who's on those teams. They may have a couple of players um, that are new to the sport but are great or players from you know other cities that have moved to to their cities. So we just we don't know what to what to expect. So I think we just come out and play hard in every single game. On that point, though, um, uh, the advantage, I guess, of the 2016 USAFL Nationals was every women's game was live-streamed, and it's all available on YouTube, the vision. Have you taken the opportunity to actually try and look through the video and, and assess your opponents to go, OK, these are the players we need to stop, this is the style of football that they're playing, this is what we need to do to counteract them? Oh, that's a good question. I actually didn't know that the 2016 games were live streamed. Um, we didn't make it down last year, so we didn't find out. I didn't at least didn't know about that. So our coaches maybe have, but I personally haven't. But now that I know that, I might pop on there and watch last year's games. I think I'm responsible for 14 out of 15 games commentary, so my apologies in advance. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's great to know. It's uh, really good. L- looking over to um, Pool A for a moment, because obviously if you're lucky enough and you do finish top of Pool B, you go through to the grand final. Pool A has uh, your fellow Canadians in the Montreal Angels. There's also San Francisco, uh, Seattle and Minnesota. Uh, if you were able to pick your opponent for the grand final out of Pool A, who would you like to go up against and why? Uh, definitely Montreal because I think two Canadian teams um, in the grand final would just be really, really neat. I don't think the US AFL would like that much, but <laughs> us Canadians would certainly certainly like that. Uh, they also have some fantastic players. The Legault sisters are really, really tough. Um, and I'm not sure exactly who else they have on their team, but uh, generally Montreal has some players that that have a lot of talent. So I think a, an all-Canadian grand final would be fantastic. And, and just uh, quickly as well, if unfortunately things don't go your way, if uh, you drop a game and you, and you don't get through to the grand final, there is, I guess, a consolation prize, if you, if you call it that. The game before the <laughs> grand final will be the Aussie Sparks match, and essentially they're taking on all comers, which we expect, uh, obviously, the teams in Division 1 that don't make the grand final to uh, to uh, submit players to that. If you were given the opportunity, would you pull on the jumper to try and take on the Aussie side? Ooh. I'd have to decide on the day, uh, probably. I think that would be really, really neat. It would be a great experience. Um, and I think just playing against a team like that, you'd be able to learn a lot. Um, so, yeah, I would say it would depend on the day, but likely, yes. I think I would not really want to miss out on that opportunity. Well, Lindsay, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. We wish you a safe trip down to San Diego and all the very best in Pool B of Division One of the USAFL Nationals. Great, thank you so much. Now, earlier in the show, we told you about a team that's making their debut in Division 1, being the Seattle Grizzlies. There's a team making their debut this year in Division 2, being the Texas Heat. They are a combined side made up of clubs from the Houston Lone Stars, the Dallas Magpies, and the Austin Crows. All three of those Texas teams just started their women's program this year. And, of course, they couldn't each field their own standalone side. They didn't have enough numbers, but they've got together, formed a squad, 
and will run out under the banner of Texas Heat. And maybe, just maybe, helping along Texas women's football is the fact that AFLW League best and fairest Erin Phillips lives in Texas, mainly in Dallas, of course, when she was playing WNBA basketball with the uh, Dallas Wings. So it is great to see that uh, Texas is really hyped about Aussie Rules women's football and there's going to be a Texas Heat team in Division 2. We have got on the line a representative of that team coming out of Houston. Her name is Sarah Pulliam. Sarah, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. For you, how did you come about finding Aussie Rules Football? So that's actually kind of a funny story. I started dating someone and I said, you know, we should get together this night. And he said, I have to play Aussie Rules Football. You know, I play every Wednesday and every Sunday and I can't miss it. And he said, you can come watch and maybe, I'll, you know, we can get pizza or something afterwards. So I came to watch him and thought, this is pretty weird coming from <laughs> being an American. It's very unusual to me. So I thought it was pretty funny. But um, I guess three or four months later, they started doing fitness. And he said, you can come, you know, do fitness training with us. It'll be fun. And then fitness kind of turned into practice. And I thought, I'm just going to keep going and see if they tell me I can, if I can keep playing or not. Um. And we've actually got a few other girls that started coming as well. So we started playing in actually mid-spring before we started recruiting. And, of course, uh, as we said, the Texas Heat will be going to the Nationals. So to go from Houston to getting this whole Texas team, how did that conversation start to start recruiting and trying to find more women to join uh, not only just Houston but obviously this whole Texas community? Well, there was three to five girls that were very regular. We went to every practice, and we would play in the metros with all the um, with all the guys here on our Lone Stars team. And so I think it started with we really enjoyed it, and we were having a lot of fun playing, and we were very competitive. And they said, you know, we have a good chance of getting a girls team together if we can just get a few more people and, you know, that are just as interested as you guys. And so we kind of started talking about it, and we were like, we should go for it if we do it in the summer we might be able to get enough girls ready by October. Our recruiting was actually really phenomenal. It was kind of exciting. We had a couple of events and had really good turnout both times. A lot of people seemed to really enjoy it. So our numbers have grown quite a bit. We average at practice, I would say, you know, 12 to 16, 17 at an average practice. And we've got 13 girls that are actually confirmed uh, going to nationals this year. That's a fantastic number, particularly when beginning from scratch. What reaction did you get? I mean, one photo we saw, obviously, you're at uh, a women's roller derby and obviously other events that you've gone to try and find players. What reaction did you get when you say, oh, look, I play Aussie rules football? Um, Sometimes people are a little surprised. They're like, well, you play that? Is that that a pretty, you know, physical sport? Is that pretty high contact? And so a lot of people find it pretty surprising. Um, but, I mean, I think there's a lot of girls that are more interested in it than people realize because we had a lot of, you know, responses from girls that are like, that's really cool. I've always wanted to find something like that, and there's never really been an opportunity for that type of sport. Um, a lot of rugby girls that kind of thought it was really neat, um, things like that. 
And what reaction uh, did you get from the girls when they sat down to obviously start watching Aussie rules? Not just like you did, obviously, um, watching it happen in the park with the local mm-hmm. Houston team. But when you're able to go online now, and for example, there's games of the AFL women's competition. They're readily available to watch. What reaction do you get from them when they actually get to see this? This is a semi-professional league and it's being played in front of thousands of people. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that a lot of us experience when we see that is like, that's really cool. And uh, we could, you know, we could do that better. Or we could practice on that and seeing where the opportunity is and seeing, I guess, kind of how we can grow and how we can be more competitive. It makes it a little more exciting to see how the semi-professionals or professionals are able to play kind of inspiring so as you said, uh, you've had uh, a bunch of girls that obviously been training uh, as this is a combined time mm-hmm. from Houston, Austin and, and Dallas. Also, I believe you've played a bunch of matches against each other. For example, there's been a Texas Red versus Texas Blue practice game. How have you right. found the standard of those matches and particularly the new girls trying to pick up the skills? Um, I think they pick up really fast. Um a lot of it is there's always a little bit as far as skills, learning to kick. We had some girls that came in who had played rugby or Gaelic, which is somewhat of a similar sport, and they come in and you have to learn to do things a little bit differently than they're used to, but they're very fit and very athletic, so they pick up very quick. Um, and the Lone Stars is such a big family almost that it's a really it's a place people like to be. It's a group people like to be around, and it kind of, the atmosphere is really fun, so people really, I think, enjoy it and want to keep trying, even if they're kind of not sure about it when they start. Now, you've been described by Sonia as a Joel Selwood type, small, ruggedy pocket that likes to go in and, and get the hard <laughs> ball. Um, for yourself, uh, what's probably the skill that you found uh, easiest to try and conquer first from Aussie Rules Football, and what skill have you found the hardest so far that you're still trying to work on? Um, I guess I should start with what was the hardest because it's been the hardest since I started, and that would be uh, being able to kick the ball. It's just a really unusual – it's something I haven't done. I've played a lot of sports, but it's so very different from anything I've ever done. Um, as far as the easiest, um, I feel pretty comfortable as far as in a tackling situation or moving the ball quickly. I've played a lot of basketball. I've played soccer a little bit, I should say. I've played – volleyball and softball and you know grew up playing soccer as a or football even as a kid just in the neighborhood and so I felt like to me the the running and the tackling was very natural surprisingly I guess people kind of think that's funny but um but kicking the ball is a very difficult skill that I have to work on really frequently from the limited game time that you've had so far uh, as a team or against each other in mm-hmm. these practice scratch matches, who stood out for you the most? Who do you think will perform well for the Texas team at the Nationals? That's a very tricky question um, because I think certain people perform really well in different ways in different areas on the field. Um, we've got a few players. So one of our players um, back is very, very skilled. Uh, she's played before. She actually went with the Lone Stars a year, a year or two ago and filled in and played at Nationals before. So she's kind of familiar with it. Her husband has been playing for the Lone Stars for a while. Um, so she's very familiar with it. Um, we've also got a couple of other girls that just 
in their own ways. We've got girls that are incredible kicks. You know, they can make a goal to save anything. We've got Aubrey. She's so quick and very strong. And, you know, you've got girls in the midfield that are very quick that can get the ball out very quickly, um, like Lindsay. And so I think there's just – it's really hard to say who's going to do the best, and I think everybody kind of does well in their own ways as a team together. Has it sunk in for you personally that you're going to be representing your club and your state, so to speak, at a Nationals tournament? Um, I think lately it started to sink in for a lot of us. We're kind of getting the nervous excitement of, you know, you kind of know what to expect, but it's going to be different to be around a lot of girls that are very experienced and have been playing for a long time. Probably exciting more than anything, but also a little nervous since we're probably a little less experienced than most of the other um, competitors. All the USAFL Nationals games uh, for the women last year were streamed, including Division 2, and no doubt uh, you'll go up against Portland in that division and girls from Columbus mm-hmm. and Baltimore. Have you had the opportunity to sit down and try and watch that vision and, and have a look at who your opponents will probably be in Division 2 to go, OK, this is who we need to watch and this is who we obviously need to shut down? Uh, I can't say we've started to watch as far as other teams. We did see um, they put out the video... I believe a week or a week ago, who was playing in what divisions. So a lot of us are starting to talk about what are ways that we can, um, you know, be more prepared. So that might be something we look into here in the next couple of weeks. Um, now that we've got a pretty confirmed number, like I said, we've got 13 from here, plus the additional from Dallas and Austin. So just kind of trying to um, get everybody to kind of settle into the positions they're used to playing and see where opportunity is, maybe seeing what the other team is capable of and knowing where to put people or, you know, what skills we might need to improve on so just in the to, weeks ahead. So just to confirm again, that's just 13 alone from Houston. So how many do you expect as a full squad when you include Dallas and Austin to go across? Um, so I, I can't say for certain for Dallas and Austin. Um, they've said anywhere from three to six are going to be going to from Dallas I don't know any exact numbers from Austin, but it would it could potentially be a few. So we're hoping to be able to have enough for a full team, including a, a few subs if we've got, you know, 18 or 19 women, um, 16 on the field. So that would be our goal, but at least, you know, hopefully at least 15 or 16 enough to have a team. Just by luck, obviously, uh, until recently living in Texas, uh, in Dallas, in fact, was uh, the current AFL Women's League best and first in Erin Phillips. No one sent her a message, had they, at any stage, going, well, look, if you're just in the neighbourhood and you're looking for a <laughs> kick, you know, we could really do with some help in San Diego in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that, um, I think some of the admin members of the Lone Stars have checked in to see if there's any players such as herself that might be interested in playing with us. We don't have any confirmation on whether that's certain or not. That would be something that we would probably benefit from. We'd probably all enjoy that, uh, especially somebody very experienced. But I can't say for certain if she's going to end up playing for us or not. It'd be a heck of a coup if it did happen. Sarah, thank you. Yeah. Sarah, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we wish you all the very best with your Texas Heat and uh, as you grow to develop as well, the Houston Lone Stars. But most importantly, do well at thank the USAFL Nationals in San Diego. Thank you very much.
Well, that concludes this special edition looking back at the AFLW draft and our preview of the USAFL Nationals on this weekend, October 21 and 22 in San Diego, California. Now, a reminder that the divisions again, Division 1 is made up of eight standalone teams in two separate pools. In Pool A, the San Francisco Iron Maidens, Minnesota Freeze, Montreal Angels and the Seattle Grizzlies. Over in Pool B, there is the Denver Lady Bulldogs, the Calgary Kookaburras, Sacramento Lady Suns and the New York Lady Magpies. In Division 2, the combinations are Columbus North Star Chicago, they'll form one team. Los Angeles, Arizona, Des Moines and extra players from San Francisco will form another team. Portland and Philadelphia will form a team. Baltimore Washington Eagles will form a team with Boston. And the other one being the Texas Heat, made up of players from Houston and Dallas and one player from Wisconsin. They are the teams taking part in the USAFL Nationals for 2017. Full details are available online at usafl.com. The Women's Division 1 Grand Final will be streamed via the USAFL website 3 p.m. That's U.S. Pacific time on Sunday. And there will be uploads of the replay of that uh, grand final and uh, all the other matches uh, from the pools. At least about 14 games uh, they're hoping to cover will be online via YouTube dot com forward slash usafl keep an eye out for that and obviously uh through our girls dot com twitter and facebook page we'll have details of when those replays are up online that concludes our show for yet another week a reminder that this podcast is available on thursday mornings from soundcloud or apple podcast by searching for girls play footy and of course the radio show every wednesday for about 6 p.m on rsn carnival Digital Radio Melbourne and the RSN Racing and Sport app. I've been Peter Holden. Thanks very much for your company, and it's bye for now.